This episode of Get In The Game podcast is presented by the Sports Spectrum magazine. Stories and articles on the intersection of sports and faith that you won't find anywhere else. I love this magazine, and I highly recommend you all subscribe and get your copy today. We keep our subscriptions affordable for everyone, and it makes a great gift, particularly for the kids. Subscribe today at sportspectrum.com and click the magazine icon at the top of the page. Get your subscription now at sportspectrum.com. You won't regret it. Welcome to Get In The Game Podcast with your host, Scott Langry, former MLB star and current water mission advocate. Oh yeah, and he also happens to be our guy, so let's dive right in. Hey, we're back for another episode of Get In The Game Podcast, where we talk about faith in action and what it means to live out the value of serving others. Uh, I'm your host, Scott Linebrink, and I've invited Jan Gomes, Major League Catcher, to the podcast. Welcome. Hey, Scott. Thank you. Uh, really excited doing this. Uh, thoroughly enjoy our conversations and just excited to have a, another one. I am, too. We, we've had a couple of good ones. We don't know each other that well, but uh, we have met here recently, and and I've really enjoyed getting to know you and your wife, Jenna, and we've got some mutual friends too with Dave Dravecki, another guy that's been on mm-hmm. this podcast, right? Yeah. Uh, uh, we call him uncle Dave. Uh, he's a, a guy that, uh, he's been a, a part of my wife's family for a very, very long time. Her and, uh, um, my wife's dad and Dave played together. So he's been around and, uh, we've gotten to know him and he's been, you know, just, a just another, another father-in-law for me. Sure. That's funny. We, my kids call him Uncle Dave too, and I know his his grandpa <laughs> name is, is Zedo, which is uh, yeah. grand, grandpa in Czech or some other language. I don't even remember, but uh, he yeah. he is <laughs> yeah. he's that grandfather figure for a lot of folks. Exactly. Yeah. No, he's been uh, he's been very influential in in every aspect of uh, my career, my life, and definitely our our uh, our marriage as well. That's great. Well, I want to introduce you, Jan. Um, so you are the first Brazilian-born Major League Baseball player. That's quite a distinction there. <laughs> yeah, it's still uh, every day. Every time somebody mentions that, it's still kind of like a. Uh, it still shocks me that the, for as long as uh, baseball has been around and as big as Brazil is with so so many sports and such good sports figures, that I was the the lucky first one. Yeah. Well, I mean, I know soccer's big and um we got the World Cup that uh recently finished, but uh Oof. but yeah, are you are you um you big soccer fan? I am. Uh, I grew up uh watching a lot of soccer, uh very passionate. If you if you've met any, you know, the the Latin culture or even Brazil, any Brazilians, uh we're extremely passionate when it comes to our sport. Uh this uh Except this World Cup has been somewhat uh, a little bit of disappointment. We've already been knocked out, so uh, but we still get to watch it. All right. Well, I, I won't dwell on that point then. It might be a little <laughs> tough for you, but uh, yeah, I'm excited to talk with you, Jan. This is um, now you are the first episode of 2023. We're entering year three of this podcast, and um, I've enjoyed telling stories of different guys, and I enjoy. Um, I look forward to telling your story here, but um, to give folks a little bit of an introduction to who you are, 
you're from Brazil. You've played for a handful of different teams. You're with the Cubs right now, but you played for the Indians or the Guardians, as they're better known as now. Uh, the Blue Jays, the Nats. You actually won a World Series with the Nats and the A's. Um, but yeah, I want to I want to start before that because I'd love to talk about Brazil. I've never been there. My wife has actually been there on a mission trip. But I would love to hear from you. What was life like? What was it like growing up in Brazil? Yeah, um, grew up um, a very sports oriented uh, uh, family. Uh, both of my parents are athletes. My mom's a swimmer. My dad's a tennis player. I guess if you combine those, a baseball player comes out. I'm, you know, I'm not quite sure of it, but. Uh, um, yeah, just grew up uh, just enjoying the beauties of Brazil. Uh, we, uh, uh, as a kid, we were outdoors 90% of the time. And then anytime it was time to come back in, it was time to go to bed. Uh, we enjoyed, um, uh, even when I started getting, uh, starting to play baseball, I got actually introduced to baseball in Brazil, um, at a very, very young age. I was very fortunate. Uh, and yeah, every time it was just like being outdoors, uh, enjoying the, the that Brazil sun. Very cool. And from your, I, I think this is important for your perspective too, because you know, growing up in a foreign country, uh, a country like Brazil, um, you know, what what was that experience like for you in terms of, um, you know, I'm sure there was um, things that you saw in Brazil that you don't see over here in terms of maybe different levels, levels of poverty or what was your experience with that? Sure. Sure. And I mean, not to even give any into the political side of things. I think Brazil, you're just kind of like, uh, you grow up a little bit more street smart. Uh, you grow up, um, understanding what turns to make, what turns not to make, which in a way matures you at a very young age. But at the same time, um, I grew up in, in, um, enjoying being a kid. Uh, that's kind of how it was. Um, um, you know, if the question was whether I was middle class, high class or, or, or a lower class, I just don't even know. Uh, really, uh, there was um, we, the level of high class in Brazil was maybe not as how it is here. You can definitely tell a big difference, but everybody just kind of uh, hung out with everybody and you, you understood where um what neighborhoods and places we weren't supposed to be in. But at the same time, we were just kids growing up and um, uh, got to learn some, some different things at a very young age. That's an interesting perspective. So that begs the question from me, when you did come over to the United States, how was that experience? How was that transition maybe somewhat surprising or shocking or what were the things that stood out to you in this new culture and environment um, that was much different from the place that you came from? No, absolutely. Well, one, uh, I didn't speak a lick of English. I mean, really? the, I, the only thing I could ever say was like, hi. And then they kind of try to teach you that in, uh, in Brazil, but it's a very like formal, like very step oriented way of speaking English, which no one does here. Mm. Um, so I, uh, when I moved here, I was in fifth grade. And as we all know, um, uh, young teenagers and kids at that age, they, I mean, they're, they're having fun. They, they like to make fun of each other. And I, I didn't understand any of it. I mm -hmm. really didn't. I, 
you know, whether you're making fun of me or not, I, I didn't understand it. Mm. But uh, so it, it was uh, it was quite difficult uh, at first. But um, one of the biggest things that I realized, uh, um, we didn't we didn't walk anywhere in the, in the U.S. You know what I mean? Like in Brazil, like you wanted to go somewhere, you walked somewhere like, you, you know, you grab a, a, a group of friends and you walk to, to the store, you walk to a friend's house, you, you walk to the mall here. There's there's a car to drive you anywhere, really. So uh, that was uh, that was something uh, interesting for me, which I still try to bring what uh how i was in in brazil and i try to ride my bike everywhere uh in the u.s and so i still kind of did a little bit of that yeah this is amazing to me because as i talk to you now and maybe as people are listening i, I don't even detect an accent like if you would have told me you grew up in <laughs> in tennessee i would i would not be yeah. able to dispute that yeah that's kind of uh that's a pretty uh a, a fair assessment because uh when i first meet guys um, like new players come on a team, somebody that I haven't met before, they will, one, they'll start speaking Spanish to me, which I do speak Spanish. So fair enough. I'll, I'll tell them like, hey, look, man, like I, I speak plain English. And one of the things that you're going to learn, I'm probably one of the most confusing guys you'll ever meet. Because hmm. I grew up in Brazil, moved to Miami. So when I moved here, I moved to Miami. And I live in Knoxville, Tennessee. So I'm almost like, a country boy at heart now. Hmm. Um, so it's kind of, it's kind of funny when guys are like, kind of see me, my, uh, my upbringing, my lifestyle, like kind of been bounced around a little bit. Yeah. And, and I'm sure that you have an appreciation then for maybe the new guy and being welcoming in that regard, because you, you've been that new guy a lot. hundred percent, man. That is a, uh, that is a great point. And, uh, I always, um, and I mean, you know, like if you, you go from team to team or you go from town to town or however, you, you know how hard that is for that first couple of weeks for you personally, like especially for me growing up, like not either speaking English and um, not knowing very many people. And whenever uh, someone would take their time of day to, you know, kind of take me under their wing, uh, understand me, have a little bit of a uh, softer heart for me, uh, you kind of uh, want to do that for other people. So uh, that's always been a number one thing for me um whenever i'm on a team and guys like start uh coming to a team jan um i'm gonna ask you a couple of questions here about different teams that you played for um as i mentioned you're with the cubs now um so in reading a little bit about your background i read that in 2013 you were fighting for a roster spot you actually declined an invitation to play on the world baseball classic team because you were engaged in this battle in spring training and that's right when the the baseball mm -hmm. classic happens so you know you wanted to to stay focused on winning that spot um i've been in a similar situation and you know when there's a handful of spots and there's there's maybe one decision to be made and there's two or three guys um and that's some real competition right you get to the end of spring mm -hmm. training and you're you feel like you're fighting for your life every time you go out there and it's a performance issue, but it's also some of the intangibles that you can bring to a clubhouse. But I'd love for you to talk about maybe that specific roster battle that you had back in 2013 or any others. Um, how do you live out as a, you know, as we talk about servant, being a servant to your fellow man, how, how do you live out the values of that while yet, you know, being in such a high comp competitive environment 
um, and, and wanting the best for others too, but also knowing that, you know, Hey, I've got a real vested interest in making this last roster spot. What does that look like? Yeah. No. Um, so even uh, a little, little background behind that was, so I was coming up with, I came up with Toronto first and I was never like a starter. You know, I was, a uh, I, I bounced around a little bit. I, I was a backup to some guys, any opportunity that I got, you know, I was like, you know, I'm doing it. Um, so I was always having to have like that, you know, perspective of, you know, being a good cheerleader, being a good clubhouse guy, because we all know um, coming up, if you're that guy that's not playing and you're mad and that kind of, you know, that messes up the whole uh, uh, clubhouse. Um, so I kind of had a little bit of that because I just wanted to stick around. I really just wanted to be a part of um, a team. And when 2000, so I made it up in 12 and then I got traded in 13. Um, and now I'm giving an opportunity of going in fresh with a new team. They wanted me to catch. And end of 12, I had done the, the WBC qualifier. It was an amazing experience. Um, we qualified for the, for the WBC, uh, which is what you're talking about. And then they tell me that it's in spring training. And now here I am. I just got traded to Cleveland. Uh, Terry Francona was our manager then. And he is telling me, like, hey, I want you to catch. I want to see what you got. And now I'm over here trying to decide with, a, you know, my fellow countrymen that I just spent uh, a qualifier with, um, uh, you know, playing. And, you know, like I said, Brazilians are very passionate <laughs> with anything they do. So um, that um, that was a difficult moment, but not as difficult because uh, there was a lot of guys in that team that were in the minor leagues or, you know, were playing baseball. So for me, it was um, – I had to, I I had a phone call with some of the guys to like talk to them and be like, guys, I need you guys to understand that, you know, yes, the WBC is a great thing. And as, as personal as this is for me to try to make a team at the same time, while, you know, if I make a team, I don't make the team, I'm elevating, you know, you know, you know, my position in this game, it's going to elevate Brazil because I'm going to bring you guys along with me. Um, and it was a, it was a cool experience because I got to, to see those guys, you know, uh, there's two or three other guys that actually ended up making the big leagues. They were like, dude, we get it. You know, go for it. You know, uh, this is a great opportunity for you. We understand it. We appreciate you, you know, sharing it with me. Um, but you know, going into that roster spot, it was just, um, it was just an opportunity that I was getting to kind of get into play every day. Uh, somebody, you know, somebody in this game, once they, they, you just need one person to believe in you and one person did. And I just had to, to do what I, what I had to do and just, you know, relax and play the game. Yeah. So that's an interesting perspective from you're talking about the, the guys on the, on the classic. What about the guys or the guy that you were competing against on for the Indians roster? Like, what was that dynamic? Like, how do you, how do you root for that guy and, and serve him while you're um, trying to win the spot. You know, um, yeah, uh, I mean, you, you, one thing that I will never do is downplay another guy and be like, dude, I hope you stink. And like, not because that's just not the kind of, well, I don't want to like, you know, that's not the kind of guy I am. But like, at the same time, man, like for a team to go forward, and that, that was always my, my 
and has been my biggest thing of like a team to go forward. Whether you make it, whether I make it, whether we both make it, we're trying to get a starting job, you know, for this team to be good, we're going to have to get along, man. And as awkward as that was sometimes, um, because I was getting the opportunity, sometimes he was, um, there was never any kind of, um, at least from my angle, there was never any kind of, um, man, I hope you, I hope you stink, but, because you don't want somebody like Pat thinking that about yourself, like about you, you know, you, you want guys to kind of, you know, cheer you on or even if that matters to you uh, and it mattered to me at the time and where it always matters to me to, to where you're, you're just rooting guys on, man, as much as we, we love this game and as much as we, we, we put all of our, our effort in this game at the same time, we're, we're just humans and trying to be good to each other. And um, when this game is all said and done, you, you want to leave it with a mark that, you know, guys, you know, liked you or guys like believed in you and guys knew that you, you had the best uh, intentions for them. Yeah. I, I could always, it, it was in my experience, you know, you could really easily spot guys that were maybe insecure about their position. If they were the ones that were, you know, like you say, maybe rooting against, you know, some other guys and they felt like, Hey, if that guy screws up, then it makes me look better. Um, but boy, I found that. Yeah by being an encourager by, you know, really wanting to see the rest of the team thrive. And of course you want your own personal, um, you know, mark to be made as well. Um, it, it's always better to be an encourager and to, to try to elevate your, your fellow teammate. And I think, you know, the guys see that and, and then that just creates a, a culture of, of positive. Yeah. And there's, I was, I mean, there, yes, baseball is a very team-oriented sport. And, you know, you need all 25 or 26, however many guys we have now on the on the rosters to, to be involved. And at the same time, man, like, you got to do what you got to do on, like, for you. You know, like, when it's your time to play, you know, it's your time to play. Because if you're worried about somebody else, you're just taking another, you know, booster, however you want to put it, of – when that time for you comes, cause you're worried about, you know, somebody chasing or whatever it is. And if you use that as a, a you know, as a distraction, then yeah, it's going to be a distraction. And then this game is going to eat you up. But if you use it as a, a motivation, then yeah, you can use it, you know, for the, for the good of the, of the game. Yeah. That's a great point you make, um, you know, how wishing ill upon someone else or, or by, you know, having negative thoughts, about someone else that that's an energy suck away from you. And mm -hmm. if you can't focus your energy on, on doing what's good for yourself and for the team, if it's, if it's negatively based, then, then that's just going to detract yeah. from your ability to, to do what you're supposed to do. Good point. Yeah. And, and like you said, man, and you, like you said, if somebody smells it, man, you better be hitting 300 with 30 and a hundred. Cause if not, <laughs> you can get replaced real quick. You know, you know, we don't want that fun sponge in the, in the, on the team. <laughs> the fun sponge. I like that. <laughs> so let's talk about another team, the Nats. Uh, you won a World Series with them. Quite an experience, yeah. I bet. Oh, I mean, we can we can go on and on about that. Uh, that whole season had um, had a lot of different stories that went behind it, um, which some of them came out. You know, the you know, we were. 19 and 31 at some point of the year or 50 games into the year, we were the worst, one of the worst teams in the, in the league. And we had this like awakening happening in our, in our clubhouse. 
and you just saw like a, a group of a bunch of old guys coming together and just playing some good baseball and kind of like what we're saying, we're rooting for each other and playing for each other. Yeah. Talk a little bit about that it factor. You know, there's been a lot of study on the teams that just seem to find a way to win or, you know, maybe they're, they're not the team on paper that other teams are. They don't have the payroll. They don't have the pedigree, but yet they, they win a championship. What, what in your experience separates the, the really good teams from the really great teams that go on to win championships? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I wish I had like the, the, the full right answer for that question, but you know, things that I've seen is, you know, there, there is a way of, um, you know, those winning teams that are creating like this kind of culture in one year and then, yeah, they, they end up winning, but then they like drop off the next year. You know, that, that kind of stuff, you know, when you hit a good stride, it doesn't last. But when you got a lot of grown men, because we're all grown men playing this game, starting to be super selfless. And I'm mm -hmm. telling you, there's, uh, there's plenty of moments in the games where um, just, just the vibe in the clubhouse and the vibe in the dugout, you knew something was about to happen. You know, and it's hard to explain, um, but it, it all went back because guys just really like, liked each other. Guys like really loved each other. Like, we really liked spending time with each other. Like whether we went to, to team dinners and did, you know, um, team outings and, you know, after the game, we all just hung out and just had a good time. Guys, yeah, I mean, we all wanted to go home to our families, but like guys have really enjoyed it. So when it came to that time, you know, everyone had this like some sense of accountability to where like, man, I got to do this for my, you know, for my guys. And that was like an overall thing. Yeah. Um, Man, that reminds me of that scripture that talks about, you know, he, I can't quote it exactly, but, you know, he who tries to save his life will lose it. But but he who gives his life for mm -hmm. my sake um, will gain so much more. Mm -hmm. There's a biblical truth in that, isn't there? Oh, absolutely. And uh, it's kind of like as a team, when you start putting your ego aside, um, mm -hmm. guys start thriving a little bit more. You start seeing guys do things the right way and you want to win some ball games. And you want to continuously win the ball game, you got to start building your team the right way hmm. and playing the right way. Jan, talk a little bit about faith in the clubhouse. What What's your experience Oops. been? And you've been in a lot of different clubhouses. Um, you are a man of faith yourself. And so how do you live that out on a daily basis? Um, that is a, that's a, a really good question because you're, you're in a clubhouse full of different personalities different guys from different countries, different guys from different walks in their faith. But um, at the same time, um, you know, we're, we're, we're just meant to come in and shine a light in a clubhouse however way we can. Uh, we're not, you know, I'm not trying to come into a clubhouse and pull out a whip. And if anybody's doing something bad, I'm smacking them around or whatever it is. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to just do the, the walk to walk, you know, um, there's, there's plenty of things that we can do. There's plenty of opportunities that are teaching opportunities. Um, the toughest thing in a clubhouse is, you know, not riding that roller coaster. You know, you don't want to, you know, be a super good Christian when, you know, things are going well and this opportunity comes. So, oh, let me put, you know, let me put you aside. Uh, so, um, in, 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 you know, talking about a clubhouse, it's, 
you just want to be a, like I said, you want to be a, a, a light when you walk into the room, um, you know, just being yourself. And anytime you get a chance to, you know, throw a couple little nuggets of what the Lord is talking to you and saying to you, you do it. Um, every year I feel like um, God keeps giving me a little bit more and a little bit more, a little bit more confidence to just come in and just uh, um, do the work that he's kind of told me to do and or is telling me to do. And um, it's been a, a, a super cool um, experience uh, going from clubhouse to clubhouse. Did you ever have that situation where like a guy that's maybe been able to watch you for a period of time and, you know, maybe approached you and just said, man, I just, I see this in you. I see a, a joy or I see a peace. Um, I'm just wondering like, where do you get that? Um, or? Uh, yeah. Um, which is kind of funny, man. Like, cause anytime somebody tells you that you're just like, dude, I'm just as broken as you are. Mm. Like, dude, like I'm not like, you know what I mean? Like I, like I, one thing I don't want you guys, like people to think or whatever is that like, I'm living this perfect life. Like, man, I, I struggle just as anybody else struggles. There's a, there's a level of vulnerability that you do like to share with guys, but at the same time, you're, you're trying to be, um, I mean, I'm a, I'm a, now I'm like one of the oldest guys in the clubhouse. Uh, so you're trying to, you know, live that life of mentorship. But, um, yeah, I had a, I had a moment, um, uh, well, very freshly, I guess I'll tell you one, uh, uh, my brother-in-law, um, you know, he, he came to me and we were, we're hanging out and he, he, you know, he comes to me and he shares with me. He's like, man, I just want to like, you know, I just kind of like, I just want to be like you, like you, you, you know, you got it all right. And I'm like looking at him, I'm like, brother, that is, you know, you ain't trying to be like me, man. Mm. <laughs> I promise you that if anything, I will guide you to who I'm, I'm trying to be like, mm. You know, it's not, it's not about me. Um, I'm not trying to say, Hey, good. You know, pat in the back for yourself. Uh, so that was a, a really cool opening moment of like, yeah, man, like, sure. You want to be like me? Uh, I'll tell you how, who I'm, you know, emulating my life uh, after. And you know, it was a cool opportunity to just share uh, what was in my heart and, and how I was going to, um, you know, lead them, uh, help them. You know, me and him walked the uh, same direction. Yeah. So moving beyond the clubhouse, you know, I'm inviting you now to talk about any kind of um, area of uh, any community that you're in. You know, it might be your broader community, your family, um, different circles that you're in. But how has your faith really uh, helped you understand and live out the values of serving others in those environments? Yeah. Um, so um, off season is really big for me. Um, you know, I feel like during this season, we are in a, you know, we do get to branch out into some communities. Uh, uh, we do get attached to our baseball chaplain or anytime, like we go into a city, get to hang out with some of our brothers that, you know, we do know and get to do things with, um, you know, off season, we got a, a decent group of guys that we do Bible studies with. And um, a lot of them tend to be younger. So uh, it's a good opportunity to um, share a little bit of what uh, either the next level looks like, but at the same time, uh, living your life uh, for Christ. Uh, um, I think once we, we start getting to those levels of like getting to the minor leagues, you can kind of see people kind of lose a little bit of the, the grip and 
Um, so it's an awesome opportunity to just um, to just have some good community, have some good Bible studies. Uh, and we got a great, great group of guys here that uh, we, we go hunting together and we just sit in a blind and there's no better spot to, to sit in a blind and, and do something that we love. You know, we're looking at God's creation and then at the same time, shooting some birds. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's finish with the baseball question. Um, you know, we're in the middle of the off season right now. We've got spring training coming up next month, but um, what's got you excited about this coming season? There's been a lot happen just in the way of trades and big free agent deals this, uh, this off season, but uh, there's no shift next year. That's going to be a little bit different, but I'm just throwing out a couple of things that you might want to speak to. No. Yeah. Um, from a baseball perspective, uh, Every season, you know, it's a it's another opportunity to just go out there and learn something new. Uh, I feel like uh, once we reach that point that we feel like we know everything about this game, it tends to eat you alive and teach you a new lesson. So I'm mm-hmm. excited about um, what this season is going to be like. Um, yeah, we're, you know, we're, we're in a division that um, there's going to be a lot of competition. Uh, Cubs are in Chicago. We're, we're it's a super super fun city to play in you know we got some of the greatest fans in the game and really just in that division you know you go play st louis that's a, an amazing place to go play as well so um we got a lot of a lot of fun to be had and uh, a lot of stories to to be told and uh you know one of the biggest goals going into the season my wife and i've been talking about is just you know do what you learn in the off season and bring it, you know, into season. I feel like a lot of times, like I said before, like we go into season and we get so caught up in, you know, in a season um, and we kind of forget, you know, that cup that we're supposed to be filling and that, that, that part of our heart that we need to be, you know, uh, filling up. And um, I'm just excited to, to, to be able to, to go into a clubhouse again and, you know, just make new friends, share some stories and, I mean, you know how it goes, man. Like a clubhouse, you know, we, we can try to do things at the beginning of the year and then it changes halfway through the year. At the end of the year, you talk about it, you're like, man, what a what a whirlwind that was. And it's always so much fun to, to talk about it afterwards. Yeah, and I, I found myself, and I don't know if you feel the same way, but the, the longer you played or more on the back end of your career, um, you just start to have a greater appreciation for the experience of playing baseball and like you say, the relationships. I mean, that that was such a big thing for me. And as a guy who's now a decade removed from his playing career, you know, that's really yeah. the only thing that you can take with you is the relationships. Uh, no, yeah, absolutely, man. And uh, and and truly, those relationships uh, are are built off of um, you know you being intentional in them. You know, like when you're in the clubhouse, there's you know those those guys that you're just clubhouse friends with. Like that, that kind of stuff happens. You and then like, ten years later or something like that, you run into them and you're like, "Oh, hey, man, I remember we played together." But um, yeah, as as you mentioned, like growing in this game and you know, spent now, um, I guess a little over you know a decade playing, and you kind of start looking at things that, that differently. And I can promise you, and I'll forever share this that you know, my life in Christ has played a huge part of it. Um, because of baseball uh, from the beginning, you know, we talked about um, when I was in elementary school and 
you know, not knowing anything, it was baseball that, um, that brought me together with some friends. And the same thing is, you know, all these ways of traveling, same thing of, uh, you know, getting to meet guys like you, uh, you know, it's baseball that brought us together. I mean, I know God, you know, he has his way of working things into, into his way. And, um, but I know, um, I got baseball to be so thankful for. And it's kind of funny because like the way uh, I've always talked about it. And when guys ask me, because like we want to get so caught up in the, in the identity of baseball, but you know, it is our job. It's not our identity. And uh, uh, when people ask me what, like, what's your life like, you know, I, I, I love Jesus. I love my family and I play baseball, mm-hmm. you know, it's in, in that order too. It's like, it's, it's hard to sometimes keep it in that order, but uh, you try to focus. Um, but uh, yeah, grow, um, there's, uh, there's so much in this game that has brought, um, that has helped me with my life and, and just in my family. My family, my kids are, you know, growing up in this game right now. Uh, i got three little ones that are, um, two of them definitely know exactly what daddy does and know exactly uh, how to, maneuver their way around the clubhouse uh so it's super cool to see that and uh again i got uh god to be thankful for and, and also baseball yeah i appreciate that perspective too jan of uh being a christ follower first having a baseball experience mm-hmm. and not the other way around that's uh important yeah, to remember uh, yeah and you, and you learn so many mentors in this game man like you know you, you learn so many or I guess you, you meet so many guys that are, you know, that impact your, in your life when you, you know, you do surround yourself around those guys. Uh, early on in my career, a guy named Justin Masterson was a, a, played a huge part in, in who I am right now and who, um, who I've become in this game. And uh, he told me a long time ago, uh, you know, you play the game. And we, we knew what we were talking about. We were both, you know, in chapel. We were both doing things together. And he, like, you knew. You play the game for the right reasons. Um, this, you know, you'll last a long time, and you'll, you know, this game will, will take care of you if you play it for the right reasons. I guess we we're, you know, we were talking about like guys like signing contracts and like playing for the money and all of that, and um, and he's like, you know, you play this game for the right reasons. They'll take care of you, and you'll leave it, you know, happy. Jan, thank you for your perspectives, for playing the game for the right reasons, and for your service uh, to other people, and and I hope that's been an encouragement to our listeners. Blessings to you in the next season as well. Absolutely, man, and uh, look forward to you know getting connected on Water Mission and and just uh, you know keep growing our uh, our new young relationship. <laughs> that's right. Let's do it. Awesome, man. Thank you for listening to today's edition of Get In The Game Podcast, part of the Sports Spectrum Podcast Network. Check out sportspectrum.com for more content. And while you're there, consider subscribing to our Sports Spectrum magazine. It makes a great gift and is perfect for the sports fan who loves Jesus. You can subscribe today at sportspectrum.com. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time on Get In The Game.